It's the next level. Do you ever fantasize about being killed? Do you ever wonder about all the different ways of dying? You know, violently. I wonder, like, what would be the most horrible way to die? Well, hello, Mr. Fancy. The following movie contains material that may not be suitable for all viewers. Your discretion is advised. Tonight, Park Plaza Mall switches on the world's toughest security force. Absolutely nothing can go wrong. Especially if you are tuning into the Studio Zero production from the Next Level Network of Podcasts. That podcast's so essential, people are still telling the host to get a real job. This week, the Killbots are enforcing some of that freedom-inhibiting social distancing on this week's episode of What, what Lurks, Lurks Behind, Behind Podcast, podcast Zero. Zero. And I am your host, Postmortem Paul, also known as a sarcastic asshole. But anyways, no, no worries, kids. No, not this week. No lengthy monologue about, you know, scary world we live in and shit. I know I even poke fun in my, you know, little opening and whatnot, but I'm not doing that this week. You know, I, I said my piece last week. That's it. It's done. Because you come to this show for entertainment, and entertaining is what I'm going to do. Even if it's not really that good. But I'm going to try. Uh, so, this week. This week we're going to play in a mall, but after hours. With this week's review of the week, it's a movie directed by Jim Wynorski, and it features a gorgeous Barbara Crampton. Um, how else do I say this? Have a nice day with episode 70, Chopping Mall. And the cool thing about Chopping Mall is this was the episode chosen by you, the listeners, the fans, the fans of the podcast page. Uh, some of my friends even <laughs> but yeah um so yeah I, you guys remember i did like i posted two movies and i said pick one and it was chopping mall versus dr giggles and chopping mall won. it was close it was a 10 to 8 victory like you know so it was close i mean it was fun it's definitely it was definitely something fun it was fun to try out and I will definitely be doing it again very soon, Um, uh, most likely next episode, but um, like I'll be letting you guys pick the next episode, but um, however though, before I get into the review of the week, Chopping Mall, uh, just a little bit of Joe Bob and Darcy talk, not a whole lot, um, but it was really cool because, okay, so... Uh, I'll preface the story up here. So what happened was I went on Shutter yesterday to look and see, you know, I wanted just to watch some some old episode of The Last Drive-In. And I happened to notice that the original marathon, the one that happened in 2018, here in Canada, we only have two movies left. <laughs> Tourist Trap and Sorority Babes in the Slimeball Bolorama. That's all that's left. Um, all the other movies have been taken off uh, in, in terms of that first marathon. However, we got Jack Frost back for the Christmas one that just recently happened. But whatever. Um, so yeah, so anyways, I tweeted out to uh, Shudder, Darcy, and Joe Bob. I say, you know, uh, this, <laughs> you know you live in Canada when kind of thing. And um, just said, you know, I'm hoping that for season two... We don't have any blockages, you know, let's have a full season where, like, we get all the movies, and 
really cool thing was Darcy, also known as Diana Prince, tweeted me back saying, well, you know, like we, we tried to find as many movies as we can possible that both the U.S. and Canadian markets will be able to experience the full season. And I was like, oh, fuck, that's pretty cool. And um, so then I'm on Twitter again later, and uh, I happened to notice that Darcy posted a link to a video on YouTube. It was a video from March 13th um, when her and Joe Bob did like a live chat um, stream sort of thing where they were um, behind them. They had Friday the 13th, uh, the final chapter playing, and they were talking with the audience through a video and whatnot. And... I missed it because I was working that night and I didn't get a chance to see it. Well, now that it, I found out that, you know, Darcy's posted the video on YouTube, apparently it's been there since March 13th. I didn't realize this. But, anyways, so I watched it last night. It's called the F13 Experiment. Experiment spelt with triple X, of course. Go figure, Darcy. Um, but it was like really fun to watch and shit. Uh, at first, like, I mean, like, you could tell it, it's kind of, it's interesting when you're watching something and they don't have, you know, the, um, the advantages of, like, editing and, you know, a team that can help research things and whatnot. They were doing this strictly off the cuff. So, like, at one point, you know, Darcy's, Darcy starts the movie and they start talking and then, um, someone in the, the live chat audience mentioned about the movie being too loud so you couldn't hear Joe Bob and Darcy talking, she goes to adjust the volume and accidentally restarts the movie. You know what I mean? And like, it was funny little things like that. I mean, granted, it was their first time ever doing it, right? It's, it, like she said, it's an experiment. Um, but as the, as the video goes on, it gets progressively a lot more fun. Um, it's interesting to to, um, to see them doing things uh, without the preparation, you know what I mean? Um, I mean, Joe Bob is still a wealth of knowledge, but it's, it's different when you see at times where he's like, oh, I can't remember this person's name, or he's like looking something up, or she's looking something up. It was kind of cool though, and at the same time, it, it's a nice video to watch, especially if you're getting into podcasting or, you know, videos or whatnot. It's kind of cool to see because they're they're professionals, right? Like they, this is their their jam. Like this is what they do on Shutter, and you see a different side of it where you know when they don't have the studio, they don't have all the preparation ready, and they're just doing it for fun. And that's exactly what it was. But that you know, because and I, I I say this because I know I can be hard on myself even sometimes. You know, everyone knows I hate my Suspiria episode because I was not prepared for that. And I don't even know why I recorded it. But, I mean, the thing is, is it was kind of cool to see two professionals sort of like, you know, struggling at times and whatnot. It's like, oh, so see, like, you know, the more preparation you put into something, the better you are at it and whatnot. So it's a really cool video just to just to enjoy it, to see them in the raw and whatnot. And it's really awesome. Um, and like I said, like, you know, it, it's really cool that Darcy tweeted out that they have for the last drive in season two, they are trying to get as many films possible that both the U S and Canadian markets can enjoy live and on demand afterwards. So that's pretty cool because I'll tell you, man, you go on shutter these days and it's like a barren wasteland where there used to be a whole bunch of episodes. <laughs> Like, even season one of The Last Drive-In, there's there's only, I think, maybe three weeks where both episodes are still there. Like, there's a lot of videos missing. And I know, like, there were people tweeting even on Twitter yesterday about that, you know, it, it's happened in the U.S. as well. A lot of movies have gone missing and whatnot. And, I mean, it's, it's a shitty deal. Unfortunately, it's the way streaming works, right? Licensing rights are only for so long, and it is what it is. But I wanted to talk about that quickly. I thought it was really cool. It was kind of cool that Darcy was tweeting back, too. Like, that, that you know, I, I get geeked out about little stupid things like that and whatnot. 
on. So it was kind of cool. It was, it was, it made my day. Let's put it that way. Because like, let's face it, like social media these days is fucking depressing. Jesus. Between the far left and the far right doing all the fucking talking and just making a big sham out of everything. And it's just like, oh, Jesus. Like, and I mean, don't get me wrong. I get it. This is a big thing in the world right now. I understand it all and shit, but it's like, fuck, do I get a break? You know what I mean? It's like, so it was kind of cool. Like for that little moment there, it was like something was happening on social media and it wasn't depressing. As a matter of fact, I was like, oh, hey, this is awesome. I'm talking with Darcy right now. Like very minuscule, but whatever It, it was, it made my day. So just wanted to share that story but now now i think it's uh it's time to do the trailer timeout this week we are doing a trailer um so yeah we're gonna do the trailer timeout for this week's movie that you guys picked remember that this is a lot this is really cool and i mean i obviously you know i i set myself up that i was gonna enjoy this week's episode because i picked two movies that i knew i liked um when I was having the fans, you know, the, the listeners and whatnot, pick. Okay, you here's the two movies. You pick one. I mean, I knew I was going to enjoy this episode and whatnot, but it was it. It's always fun to come back to this movie. So, I was I was glad it won. A Doctor Giggles will be in the mix again uh, very soon. Don't get don't get me wrong. Eventually, that movie will be reviewed. But for right now, we're going to keep doing the. I got to give you guys two movies and let you pick. And, because it, it worked pretty good this first week. I mean, okay, so some people would say, well, you only got 18 votes. Yeah, well, that's 18 more than I expected, so happy with it. Let me have my happiness, man. God damn it. Um, okay, anyway, so trailer timeout, shopping mall, and when we return, a shared podcast experience talking about my love for this crazy little bee movie. Back in a moment, kitties. They broke into the mall for the wildest all-night party of their lives. It's dead meat. But you're never alone. In the chopping mall. What's that? Robot blood. Shopping mall. Where shopping costs you an arm and a leg. At Park Plaza Mall, the new security force isn't just tight, it's terrifying. Alright, so Chopping Mall. Chopping Mall. Like I said, Chopping Mall was the movie picked by you guys. So I gather you want to hear me talk about this movie. Or you just wanted to pick your own hell. I think that's what I'm actually going to call it from now on. Like when I like post it online and stuff, it'd be like, choose your own hell. Because we all know I'm not good at this. But I try. I've got passion. I've got love. Love. Because we need more love in the world. Yeah, okay, whatever. Shut the fuck up. But I'm not supposed to shut up on the podcast. I'm supposed to talk. Anyways, I know I tell the same jokes week after week, don't I? I got. I need new material. Um, maybe I'll do like some like stand-up comedians and like watch other stand-up comedians and then steal their shit and call it my own. No, I'm kidding. I wouldn't do that. I'm not like that. I mean, s- some ways I am. Uh, obviously, I'm talking about movies and I quote them a lot. But uh, okay, chopping mall. We got moved the fuck on. Was released March 21st, 1986. Was also known as Killbots. There's a little bit actually I have about that uh, coming up, but yeah, it was. um, it, It goes by both names, I guess. I mean, a lot of people know it as Chopping Mall, obviously, but it was also known as Killbots, and there's a lot of people that know that fact. It's not me being all smart and, like, informing the public. Y'all fucking know this shit already. Anyways, 
So, the movie was directed by Jim Wynorski. And he did other movies like Not of This Earth and Return of the Swamp Thing. Um, or Return of Swamp Thing, I think it is. I don't think there's a the in there. I don't know, whatever. Um, he also wrote this film with Steve Mitchell. The cool thing about Steve, Steve went on to write episodes for um, the animated series, um, like different series, uh, Transformers, Gem, and G.I. Joe, all in the 80s. And I think G.I. Joe, I think he wrote a few episodes in like 91 or something like that. But like, yeah, he did like a lot of like, well, not a lot, but he did like episodes for like shows I grew up with as a kid. Well, not Gem. I, I was never a fan of Gem. And not just because it was, like, a chick thing and whatnot, but, like, I don't know. It just... I, I was into the whole action thing, you know, G.I. Joe, Transformers, He-Man, Masters of the Universe, and all that sort of shit, so... Uh, Thundercats was another one I loved, you know, Super Friends. But, I don't know. It is what it is, whatever. Um, so, the movie, Chopping Mall, was produced by Julie Corman, uh, who also did movies like Saturday the 14th, Nowhere to Hide... And Sorority House Massacre 2. Um, so the whole thing, how this all like came to be, uh, like the whole idea of Chopping Mall was uh, Julie Corman had to deal with Vestron. And she was to... she. I, I guess the deal was, was to make a horror film, but in a mall. And so Jim, Jim agreed that he would write one and he would do it cheaply. He would, you know, a low-budget flick as long as he could direct and so basically the deal was made um if i remember reading correctly so jim and steve basically wrote out this storyline uh for chopping mall they didn't even have a script ready but apparently vestron like loved the idea so they actually gave them the permission and the rights and everything to make this movie before there was even a script made so that's it Talk about putting faith in your writers, right? But, I mean, it, it fuck, it paid off, man. It paid off nicely. Um, well, a little bit more on that later. But, anyways, uh, cinematography was by Tom Richmond, who did movies like I'm Gonna Get You, Sucker, Amityville Horror, The Evil Escapes, and Love in a 45, which I've mentioned Love in a 45 on here before. Seriously, that's a good flick. If you have not seen it, it's not a horror flick, but you'll enjoy it nonetheless. Ah, uh, the music. You've heard a bit of it at the beginning of this episode. You're hearing a bit of it now. Uh, music by Chuck Serino. Um, again, Not of This Earth gets mentioned. Return of Swamp Thing. Uh, Sorority House Massacre 2. He also did music for movies like Evil Tunes. Which I don't know if any it, it, to my audience. If you have not seen Evil Tunes, um, okay, <laughs> it's interesting. Uh, you should enjoy it. I think um, if you are the male side, you'll probably enjoy it more. But um, it's weird. It I don't know. It's kind of like how do I explain it? Like Cool World meets Fritz the Cat, maybe except no animals i don't know it, it, well it's it's really hard to explain it's just a fucked up movie but it's it's weirdly fun in a very kind of not fun way I, i'm really not explaining it well but just just letting i'm just putting it out there evil tunes is fucking weird and it if you're twisted you'll enjoy it uh he also chuck serino also did music for like ghoulies 4 and a movie that has been on my watch list that I have not watched yet, Sharkensaw Women's Prison Massacre, and it is on Tubi. Um, I should mention that Chopping Mall, you can watch it on Shudder, you can watch it on YouTube, you can watch it on Tubi. Uh, it's very easy to find online if you do not have physical copies. Okay, so we're going to move on to the starring cast starring cast of this movie um there's a lot of names and this week what i did because i don't I, I know that sometimes i can really drag this section out so a lot of the actors and actresses here mentioned i picked one or two movies uh to to give them extra credit for because uh, i really didn't want to go on too long with this there's a few uh, actors, I might have done a few more movies 
for specific reasons, but um, yes, let's uh, let's just start right into this with our lead female Kelly Maroney. Um, and I was fortunate enough to have met Kelly last year at Shockstock in London, London, Ontario. Um, she's a very sweet woman, very nice. Uh, she did a panel with uh, Felissa Rose. Uh, and it was really awesome, and it was hosted by Sleazy P. Martini of Guar. It was. <laughs> let me put it to you this way: you have Felissa, Felissa Rose, you have Kelly Maroney, and you have Sleazy P. Martini. Three characters all talking, and it was fucking hilarious. It was a lot of fun, though. Um, but anyways, Kelly Maroney plays Allison Parks. Yes, uh, for those of you who do know, there was a Playboy bunny by the same name, spelt differently, but yes, that is where they got the name for the character, uh, Allison Parks. Kelly Maroney was also in movies like Night of the Comet and Not of This Earth. Tony O'Dell as Ferdy. Uh, Ferdy's kind of like our, he's like our, he's kind of like the, the movie geek, but he's the guy that gets set up with Allison, um, you know, in their little mall after hours mall party kind of thing. Um, Tony O'Dell was also in the Karate Kid, the Karate Kid part two, and in the YouTube series, Cobra Kai, a lot of Karate Kid stuff. Um, so Russell Todd as Rick Stanton. Russell Todd is, I guess, kind of like, it, he's sort of like the male hero, but, I mean, at the end of the day, it comes down to the final girl, right? Um, anyways, he was also in Friday the 13th Part 2. Uh, his girlfriend, or wife, Linda Stanton, uh, was played by Carrie Emerson, and she was in a movie called Evils of the Night, which I can honestly say I have not seen. And it had a very low IMDb rating, which made me more intrigued by it. So, uh, moving on to Barbara Crampton. I've talked about Barbara on this uh, this podcast before. This is nothing new. Uh, in this movie, she plays Susie Lynn. Obviously, where do we know her from? We know her from Reanimator, From Beyond, You're Next, uh, and Young and the Restless, obviously. She was on there for several years. Um, so Nick Seagal, uh, no relation to Katie Seagal. I've been on a married with children kick, by the way, the past couple, like past week or two, at least I'd been watching episode after episode of that fucking show. So I don't know. That's why my brain went to Katie Seagal, even though it's not even spelt the same, but whatever. Um, <laughs> uh, Nick Seagal as Greg Williams. He was in, uh, he was, aside from this, he was in Breaking 2 Electric Boogaloo, which is another movie I have mentioned on this podcast before. John Terleski as Mike Brennan. And he also acted in a movie Death Stalker 2, but the name John Terleski might be kind of familiar to you because he was he's mainly done a lot of directing uh, a lot of tv uh, he did do um i think it was something like four episodes of agents of shield two or four I, it seems to me i saw four listed but um he's more known as a director like he had acted in other films but he did a lot of directing and uh, like i said it was a lot of tv directing um so he i mean as much as he acted a little not so much. Um, Susie Slater plays his girlfriend in the movie uh, Leslie Todd. Uh, she was also in Savage Streets with Linda Blair, but she was uncredited in that movie. Um, but yeah, I thought that was kind of noteworthy, you know, that she was in uh, the movie with Linda Blair. Uh, so our next two actor and actress... Uh, Paul Bartle as Paul Bland and Mary Warrenoff as Mary Bland. They play like a husband and wife. Uh, it, it's a cameo of sorts. They both were in the movie Eating Raul. Um, and then Paul was also in movies like Rock and Roll High School, Trick or Treats, Munchies, and Gremlins 2. And Mary was in movies like Silent Night, Bloody Night, Death Race 2000. Also in Rock and Roll High School, Night of the Comet, and Devil's Rejects. And they, they along with Dick Miller, Dick Miller is the next name I'm going to be going into, um, their cameos were planned. It was something that was, um, 
there's a there's a little bit more that I have to uh, that I'll talk about later on. But anyways, um, Dick Miller plays Walter Paisley, and the interesting thing about that, Walter Paisley was a character in the movie Bucket of Blood, and in this movie, Dick Miller is a janitor who has a bucket of sludge, uh, not so much blood, but. And that's basically what he's playing is the same character he was in Bucket of Blood. So um, Dick Miller's also been in The Terminator, Gremlins, Gremlins 2, Night of the Creeps, and V, The Final Battle, amongst so many other movies. Um, Garrett Graham, he's got a very small role in this movie. He plays one of the technicians. uh, Technician Nestler is what they call him. Uh, but he's a very familiar face, especially within the B B movie and horror movie genre. Uh, he was in movies like Beware the Blob, Phantom of the Paradise, Terror Vision, It's Alive 3, Island of the Alive, and Child's Play 2. When you see his face, he looks very familiar. And I was like, all right, you know what? That He's worth crediting because, yeah, because he's Garrett Graham. And so fucking what? Who cares, right? But no, I we care. We care. This is why I talk about this shit, right? So um, I'm like, whew. three sheets to the wind. I haven't slept in a while, guys, by the way. So this is kind of funny because, like, I'm trying to stay focused and my brain wants to drift off. But uh, almost done the cast. Almost done the cast. So Jim Wynorski himself, uh, our director, he also did the voice of the Killbots in this movie. Uh, Rodney Eastman was uncredited in this, but he's he's the shoplifter at the beginning of the movie when they're doing like the the demo of like the killbots and the new. Well, they're not killbots, right? They're supposed to be the new security system and whatnot. Um, anyways, Rodney Eastman. Uh, interesting thing about him was he was he would go on to be in two of the Nightmare on Elm Street films. He would be in a Nightmare on Elm Street Part Three, Dream Warriors. And part four of the Dream Master, he was Joey. Um, so uh, he was also in a movie, Deadly Weapon, which had like, it was funny. It, I hadn't seen Deadly Weapon, but I was reading up on it and whatnot. And it had like a rating of like 3.2 out of 10. I'm like, hmm, another movie I might be interested in. <laughs> I always find the lower the rating, it's like it intrigues me. It's like, why is this rating so low? Um, finally... Uh, not credited by the name I'm going to mention him by, but Angus Scrim as Dr. Carrington. He has a small little cameo in this movie. Uh, he was actually credited by his birth name, though. His birth name is not Angus Scrim. It was Lawrence Guy. It, his full name is Lawrence Rory Guy. And, um... That's what he's credited as in here. It's a small cameo, and, I mean, if you blink, you'll miss it. Uh, I, I talk a little bit later about that, but um, uh, where do we know Angus Scrim from? Obviously, the Phantasm series. Uh, he was also in Scream Bloody Murder from 1973 and The Lost Empire, which was another film directed by Jim Wynorski. So, uh, the movie was rated R for sex, nudity, violence, and language. All the good things that make a great B-movie. Um the runtime is 76 minutes, although sometimes, depending on the release, it'll say 76 or 77. Uh, apparently, there was a full original release that was like 95 minutes long. I have never seen it. Uh, I've always seen this version, so uh, 76 minutes it is. The budget was 800000 approximately. However, the gross. So the gross, the thing the thing with... I, I couldn't find how much movie this money made. Concord Pictures, apparently, when they released the film in, what, March 21st, uh, it was released limited theaters. It didn't have a, like, a wide release or whatnot. Um, when they were fil- filming it, it was known as... The, the movie was known as Robots. Then when it was released originally, it was known as Killbots. Um... The film did shit, according to Jim Wynorski and other sources. I guess the movie just didn't do well. So they re-released it as Chopping Mall, which was apparently the suggestion from some janitor or whatever. One of the It might even be like one of the janitor characters. I don't know. It, it was very vague what I was reading. But um, 
Jim Wynorski later, you know, when he was asked about the film, he said it, it did okay when it was released in theaters. It got some reviews, like okay reviews. It did decent business. Uh, but where did it really find its success? VHS and cable. And I honestly, that poster artwork is what pulled me into this movie years ago on VHS. It, it, he's not wrong. Like that's where it, it gained all the success. I don't even, I honestly do not even recall it being in the theaters, at least not around here. But I remember seeing it in, you know, the video stores, and that's how I saw it for the first time. So, you know, it's pretty accurate to say this is one of those VHS cult films that it's like Friday night, go into the video store, and what did you rent based on an awesome cover? Um, the synopsis of this film. Might as well get the synopsis out of the way and then we're going to actually talk into some juicy notes and whatnot. So the synopsis is like this. this is, I got this from the back of my VHS because I do have this one on VHS. And it's basically some people will kill for a bargain. And at the Park Plaza Mall, they do. Here you can shop till you drop. Dead. High-tech robots equipped with state-of-the-art security devices have been recruited as the new mechanical night watchman for the Park Plaza Mall. When a jolting bolt of lightning short-circuits the main computer control, the robots turn into kill bots on the loose after the unsuspecting shoppers. It's kind of weird. They don't go after shoppers. Anyways, four couples are trying to make it. After hours in a mattress store. Oh, they make it all right. In the morgue. And that's not even completely accurate, but whatever. So these are my notes from the shutdown mall. Um, which, after I kind of titled it that, I was like, uh, in this current 2020, you know, shutdown world, I probably shouldn't have called it that because I'm like trying to avoid all that. But, eh, whatever. It The movie was filmed in a mall uh, Sherman Oaks Galleria, I think. Yes, Sherman Oaks Galleria. It was the same mall that they used for Commando, um, which is kind of cool. But um, when they when they filmed in the mall, uh, because of low budget, obviously, 800000 doesn't really catch you that far. Um, they had to film after the, the mall was closed. So... That, that's why I said like shut down mall because the mall was closed. And I mean, it, it kind of made sense. I mean, the movie's supposed to take place after the mall closes, right? And whatever. So um, they were allowed to shoot in the mall. The agreement was they couldn't damage any of the facilities and they had to basically remove anything that was left behind. Like, Basically, when it opened at 9 a.m. in the morning and the public would walk in, it had to look like they were never there. Um, and there's been uh, uh, several reports, and I think even in one of the DVD, DVD commentaries or whatnot, uh, <laughs> it's kind of noted that the head of security like really didn't like these people being there. Um, but the mall owner was totally supportive. He like, you know, he, he tried to make sure that they had whatever they needed to uh, successfully film in their time frames and whatnot. But I guess the head of security was a bit of a cocksucker and didn't like them very much. Yeah, that sounds about right. The TV network version of this does have a bit of extra footage um i guess it's like uh, fuck what was it aerial stock footage of los angeles i guess probably because from editing like when they put this on tv right like they're they can't show like barbara crampton you know or you know full chested kind of like you know nude chested whatnot um and stuff like that. So, I mean, there's there's certain scenes they obviously have to cut out of here. Probably the head explosion as well. But, um, so they got to make up for the time they take out of the film. And it's a 76, 77 minute movie. So it's a short film to begin with. Um, so yeah, I guess the, the TV network version has some extra stock footage of L.A. Uh, there's some voiceover dialogue uh, between the robot technicians. 
Um, and there's uh, when Allison and Ferdy are watching Attack of the Crab Monsters, um, like the, it's extended. So I don't know, whatever. The uh, speaking of the Angus Scrim cameo that I mentioned about earlier, so it comes quite early in the film. It's during the opening scene when Doctor Simon is demonstrating his you know new team of security guards. You know, here's your three new security guards for the Park Plaza Mall and. Um, and Angus Grimm is Dr. Carrington who basically stands up and he asks a question, you know, and that, and that's basically it. And every now and then when they show, um, Paul and Mary, uh, at, at, at like the, the two, the husband and wife that are there asking questions and kind of giving their ad-libbed, uh, sarcastic comments and whatnot. If you look in the background, you can get quick glimpses of Angus, but he really didn't have a huge role in this. Um, and like I said, they didn't even credit him as Angus Scrim. So the look of them all though, Oh shit. Does that bring back some fucking memories? Um, <laughs> we have two malls. Well, back then we kind of had three in Windsor, um, three main ones. And then there was like a small strip, mall kind of thing too it's kind of weird the malls here in windsor were relatively small but other malls i'd been to like this is totally this brought back some memories you know the the escalators and the two and three floors and just all the stores and like okay like stranger things when they did their their mall they i'm not gonna lie they they had it looking pretty good and I almost get the feeling that Chopping Chopping Mall may have helped give that 80s aesthetic. Because this, like, well, okay, obviously this was filmed in 86. So it's going to look like an 80s mall. But, man, it, it's it fucking makes me feel old watching it. And it was so awesome, though. Like, and just seeing, like, some of the stores and whatnot, it was reminding me of stores that, like, I went to here, like, you know, this, the, like the malls here, we had like Music World, we had Sam the Record Man, we had A&A Records and Tapes, we had, you know, all your fashion stores, and you had the Bay, and like, there there was so many like awesome stores, I mean, obviously if you're Canadian, you know what I'm talking about, if you're not Canadian, you're like, I, I don't know half these stores, but, I mean, it watching this movie just really brought all that back for me, um, so tying kind of like tying the knots between the Cormans and Jim Winorski. So uh, the restaurant where Susie and Allison work at, it, you'll notice in the background, there's posters on the wall. They're all movie posters, um, movies that included Forbidden World, Lost Empire, Slumber Party Massacre, Galaxy of Terror and Saturday the 14th. Interestingly enough, all films produced by Julie or Roger Corman and The Lost Empire, as I think I mentioned earlier, was directed by Jim Wynorski. Um, cool story about Jim Wynorski when I was doing my research on this. So uh, about him and Roger Corman. So they apparently uh, Roger Corman took Jim out for lunch one day. This was before they were making the film. And he, you know, he brought along this yellow pad. And so Jim Wynorski tells the story and he says, you know, um, they, 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 he brought this yellow pad with him. And after lunch, he says, here, this is what you got to do uh, and to have a successful film. And he basically gave Jim Wynorski film school in one hour, um, which is which was interesting because Jim had gone to school for, you know, fil filmmaking and whatnot. But. Roger Corman says, no, 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 forget all that. And you're going to do this. And it's funny because Jim Wynorski has gone on the record as saying everything that he ever learned in film school didn't matter. And that what Roger Corman said to him made sense. And he still has the yellow pad that Roger Corman wrote all the notes in and he lives by it. And he says, it's like, it's almost like his, like, his list of do's and don'ts. And 
I mean, I'll be honest with you. For this movie, I'm glad Roger Corman did that because this movie is a lot of fucking fun. And, you know, and I mentioned it not too long ago. Uh, the movie that Allison and Ferdy are watching on the TV, uh, the, the old classic film is Attack of the Crab Monsters. Again, another Roger Corman film. Um, <laughs> the Pet Shop. The pet shop where uh, when Allison is hiding from the robots and the spiders are crawling on her and and the snake is like, you know, slithering on her legs and whatnot. That's known as Roger's Little Shop of Pets, which was a reference to Roger Corman's Little, little Shop of Horrors. Um, there's a lot of that that goes on in this movie. At one point... I don't know if it was like a movie listing or if it was like a, a store or something, but you see Crush Groove written on a sign, and that's uh, it was a throwback to the 1985 um, hip hop film called Crush Groove, where you know it starred Run DMC's LL Cool J, uh, Beastie Boys, and whatnot, and Sheila E, and like. So it just it's really cool when when you watch this it's like a trip down memory lane because there's especially if you grew up in the 80s you recognize all these little references that are going on in the film like and it's all over the place there's Dawn of the Dead um references there's uh Dirty Harry references there's so much it's it's so awesome um now I want to talk quickly I want to talk quickly about the robots, the robots themselves, the killbots. Um, they look decent. They look cool. Uh, very Johnny Five-ish or Wally-ish. Um, and the thing was, was in order to keep the robots, you know, they wanted to make them look realistic, right? I mean, because because if they don't look realistic, this movie's not going to sell. It, it just it wouldn't. And obviously they had low budget 800,000 is not going to get them very far especially with what this movie was trying to accomplish um so they created the robots out of like um like conveyor belts and uh wheelchair frames uh they had like bulbous heads like it was like it was kind of cool um and with the exception of the laser beams coming out of their eyes, because uh, that's obviously post-production, that you know, whatnot. Uh, like everything that the Killbots do on screen was basically controlled via remote control, which is kind of funny because you think about that scene, well, several scenes actually, where we see you know the technicians behind the scenes and they're in the mall, they're in a hidden room in the mall where they're controlling the robots and whatnot and that's actually how they work them is through remote control and whatnot they do it pretty good too like i mean like i mean granted yes it this is a movie from 1986 it's somewhat dated and whatnot but they're robots they move robotically they move in like robot movements so i mean it works really good um Moving on to uh, the, the the characters, the actors, you know. Um, so, Kelly Maroney plays Allison Parks. However, she was not the original, like she wasn't the original um, actress that was cast for the role. Uh, Dana Kimmel was. Uh, she was originally cast as Allison, but she left the film due to its sexual content. She didn't like the idea of all this sex in it which is kind of interesting because allison's character never gets nude in this film but i don't know whatever uh there is another part of the story though where jim jim winorski apparently at the time he was you know filming this movie and whatnot he was really interested in kelly maroney he kind of wanted to date her and whatnot so he figured if he got her this role uh, you know, he got her involved in the movie. It would get him some brownie points. Um, <laughs> the power of boners, as Cinema Sins calls it. But yes, uh, apparently that's kind of what he thought. Um, which, I mean, okay, at least it's somewhat harmless because, especially in Hollywood, that kind of shit usually goes a lot further and it doesn't end very well. Um, where Kelly, I, I've never heard Kelly actually talk poorly about Jim and whatnot. So that's pretty cool. I, I assume, you know, it was very mutual and whatnot. And 
whatever happened is whatever happened between them, right? But their business, not mine. Um, <laughs> so the script, when the script was being done, it was like I said earlier, a lot of there was a lot of nods and there's a lot of like in jokes, um, you know, written for the characters. Uh, a lot of in in part of a bucket of blood and eating Raul. Uh, and the writers did get the actors from those films. And I mentioned that earlier, Dick Miller, Mary Waranoff, and Paul Bartle. But there was a lot of like that inside humor. And especially like Dick Miller, I think it's most obvious because he came from the Bucket of Blood film. And here he is, a janitor mopping with a bucket. Um, I think it was, uh, it was a pretty obvious reference. Kind of... And if you know the reference, obviously it's it made it a bit more funnier. Um, the characters for this movie, I'm going to say this now, are very easy to watch, and not just because it's a bunch of attractive women with some you know jockey looking dudes or whatnot. But last week or last episode, I should say that I did, Freddy versus Jason was a bunch of annoying teenagers. Um, you know they they overly annoying this week's this week's uh like movie review and whatnot dealt with characters that i don't have a problem watching these characters they pretty much act the way i would expect them to they're not overly annoying i'm not sure whose great idea it was to have the fucking party and you know have some sex in and after in the mall after hours uh but hey (laughs) though i Here's the way I approach this is if they didn't have that bizarre idea, we wouldn't have this movie. So who the fuck am I to throw shade at this one? Like, you know what I mean? Like, and like in terms of like the deaths. Okay. So Susie Slater's death, um, is probably the best one. Uh, she's the one that is the exploding head. That's a cool scene. That's a really fucking cool scene. Um, but I'm not going to lie. The rest of the death scenes in this film, a lot of the times it's just victims being electrocuted by the robots or their, their throats are slit. Um, there's definitely some blood and stuff in this film and you know, there's, there's a bit of gore, but it's a more milder film in terms of blood and gore. Um, so, I mean, like, it, it's not, don't get me wrong, like, like I said, this movie's fucking fun. And it, it's it's a short film, you know what I mean? It's 76 minutes long, and boom, it's done. It doesn't take much to get through. But, aside from Susie Slater's death, the other deaths just, they seem like they're lacking a little. And it is what it is. I mean, whatever. Um, they're, they all happen sort of in funny ways, I guess. Um, but I don't know it. Susie Slater's death is definitely up there. It's about a fucking eight, eight or a nine easily. It's, it's fucking awesome seeing the head explode. It's like full on scanners kind of shit. So it's cool. Um, the VHS cover. Okay. So as I mentioned earlier, you know, this was one of those movies where it was like Friday night going to the VHS or the, the video rental store and that fucking cover just like pops out as you see that mechanical claw and it's holding the bloody shopping bag however that shit never happens in the fucking movie never appears once um and it's something that even i i believe jim winorski himself the director even made mention of of you know like it's it's one of those things where and this has been highlighted even in other VHS documentaries and other stories and books and other VHS collectors have said the same thing. You, When you were growing up in the 80s, you saw these movies, you saw the covers and you were like, oh my God, this movie's going to be amazing. And then you get it home and it was a shit movie. Not in this case. Not in this case, obviously. This is one of those cases where it was like it was a great cover and the cover had nothing to do with the fucking movie. Fine. But the movie was still fucking awesome. So you really didn't care. Like, you got over it. Um, and even in terms of the title, like, honestly, calling it Killbots makes more sense. Because nobody really gets chopped. Like, even, like, 
you know, even even the exploding head, that's not getting chopped. It's a head exploding. Like, nobody, I guess slicing throats maybe, but it's really not a chopping mall. You know what I'm saying? So, I don't know, whatever. Um, the music? The music, I got a highlight on the music because it's Chuck Serino and it's fucking fun and energetic. Uh, Terrorvision Records, I believe, are the ones who released the soundtrack on vinyl. Um which is really fucking cool. Uh, the, it, some of the music is a little haunting when it needs to be, but it's just, it's a really fun soundtrack. Um, interestingly enough, before the opening theme, uh, and basically the soundtrack starts with the opening theme, you don't hear the music that plays before that, but that would be because it, it it's the same music that was used at the beginning of Deathstalker 2 which was one of the movies that he did the music for um and interestingly enough uh the music that's playing in both scenes like for both movies it's uh there's some jewels being stolen um so it's kind of weird and funny at the same time moving on to receptions of the film um because I want to get to my podcast rating. I, we, I've been talking quite a bit here, and it's uh, both time to wrap this up. So moving on to receptions of the film, which not a whole lot in terms of reviews online. I mean, there's a lot of reviews. I mean, a, a lot of fan reviews. Um, but, I mean, like, I didn't find, like, anything from, like, New York Times or, you know, Siskel and Ebert being cocksuckers about the movie or whatever. So, I basically have it. it IMDb has the movie standing at a 5.7 out of 10. Uh, with 6 being the most common rating, uh, which is almost, it's, fuck, it's close to a quarter of the, the ratings. Uh, it was at 23.7% of the ratings for this movie were a 6. So, that's kind of cool. Um Rotten Tomatoes, in terms of critic reviews, it's basically the same, 56%. So right in that same ballpark area. However, the audience score was surprising at a crappy 38%. That surprised me. I was really shocked, especially when like IMDb, Shudder, Google, everywhere else I looked had like outstanding reviews for this movie. Or at least an an outstanding score. And then I see that the audience score on Rotten Tomatoes was shitty. And I was like, all right, whatever. Because Shudder, Shudder has it at a four out of five. You know, so 80% basically. And 90% of Google users like this film. And like you read the reviews on IMDb. Or anywhere else, for that matter, like fan reviews. Majority of fans will tell you they think this is just good fun. It's not too serious. Uh, it's not too tense. Uh, truly adored more than it is scorned. Um, so, yeah, that when I when I saw on Rotten Tomatoes that the the fan score was thirty eight percent, like it really it was shocking. I was like, what the fuck? Like, if anything, I thought the, it would be reversed. I figured the critics would have fucking slagged this movie and the fans would have been like, screw you. Um, The podcast zero rating. Uh, How did I feel about this movie? What did I think about this movie? Stuff like that. So here's my thoughts on it. It's a goofy, zany 80s film. It's definitely an 80s film. It's very obvious when watching it. Uh, With a cast that isn't annoying in a film with a script and an idea that doesn't take itself too seriously. And that's, it's really nice that it, it knows what it is. It's not trying to be more. It's definitely low budget. Uh, but the film gives you a lot to have fun with. And so for that, the budget seems virtually a non-factor. I mean, there, there's elements where you can see there's a, you know, the low budget and whatnot, but, there's a lot of fun to be had with this movie. The music is great. There's nothing to complain about there. Chuck Serino does a fucking amazing job with the soundtrack on this. Um, somewhat iconic, and at the same time, it's it's simple, it's fun. It, it fits the movie perfect. Uh, the film itself is not overly gory, most likely due to not having a high budget to play with. Um, it, there's definitely some goofs in this film. There's some goof-ups. Um like for example, like Ferdy gets attacked in the gut, 
and yet somehow or another he ends up with a head injury. And at the end of the movie, he's got a roll of toilet paper that he's been using on a head injury. But yet when he when he gets hurt, he gets attacked in the gut. Um, so I don't know. It's, it's and there's there's other little goofs, but whatever. It is what it is. Like I said, again, the movie is just fun. Is it a perfect movie? No. And yes. Could it be better? Yes. And no. Am I going to give it the double rating system this week? Well, why not? Um, So, the podcast zero rating. In terms of a technical or critical standpoint, it's an 8 out of 10. And I take into consideration the low budget, which is why I say yes. It's it's an 8 out of 10 because the robots still work very well. And that's the thing, right? Like the robots, the killbots have to sell this and they do. And as in in terms of like, you know, uh, like location and whatnot, being filmed in a mall for a movie that takes place in a mall, it looks like a mall. So even though like, yes, I take into consideration low budget, but... At the same time, it still works very well. Now, as a fan, it's a fucking 10. As a, as a fan, I love this fucking movie. It's a goddamn 10. So based on the law of averages, the podcast zero rating is nine mall coupons out of 10. Come and get your bargains. Um, no, but seriously, it's in terms of the podcast zero and the rating for this podcast, it's a nine. Um, it's fucking awesome. I love this movie a lot. Uh, I was, like I said, I was glad it won. I I would have been glad if it had been Dr. Giggles, but I was glad that the movie won because this is a fucking awesome movie and I really enjoy the shit out of it. And on that note, thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in this week, guys. Um, and thank you for participating in the you know choose your own hell uh you know i'm looking forward to doing it again and i'll be doing it again this week i was originally going to do my own host pick for this week's episode or the next coming episode i should say um but you know i had too much fun doing that and i think i want to do it again so for the upcoming episode there there's nothing to announce yet because you guys are going to pick it um but where to find the show? So, like I say, I always, I always put this scenario out there. You know, you got a friend, you just showed them this show. They're like, oh, my God, that was fucking awesome. I want to listen to it. I want to subscribe. Where do I subscribe? You can subscribe through Apple Podcasts, Google, or Spotify. It's also, it streams on CastBox, FM Player, or the Next Level Network. You can find it at thenextlevelnetwork.com slash podcastzero. Or at whatlurksbehindpodcastzero.com. Uh, both uh, both sites will take you straight to the episodes. Uh, if you want to uh, email me and tell me what a dirtbag my show is, or you want to tell me that you think it's really good, uh, maybe you want to request a, a movie for me to review, which, please, by all means, you want to request one, go nuts. Like, I do have a few requests I'm looking at. I might even throw them into the Choose Your Own Hell you know the whole idea of letting fans pick it and see if it gets picked you know what i mean like might take like two two suggestions and say all right these were given to me you guys pick what do you want more you know kind of idea or whatever but you can always email me at what lurks behind podcast zero at gmail.com on social media which is very depressing these days but hey whatever is whatever uh, facebook.com slash what lurks behind podcast zero on instagram at what lurks behind podcast zero and on twitter at wlb podcast underscore zero lurkers recommendation is a music one and i'm very excited to uh, recommend this because it's been <laughs> i okay so long story short friend of mine tj the drummer he recommends this band to me about uh, maybe about a month ago, a little over, at Infinitum. And the reason why he suggested it to me is because of the lead singer, Melissa Bonney. She's done other projects, uh, most notably, you know, Rage of Light. Um, 
But anyways, so she puts together Ad Infinitum, which is like her own side project. She's doing all the songwriting. She's doing all the vocalization. She brought in a few musicians to help her, you know, do the drums and the bass and all that sort of stuff. And their new album released just this past Friday morning, literally at midnight on Spotify. And I was at work, and I think within five minutes, I already had it playing on, you know, my phone and whatnot, because it was like, I have to listen to this album. The first three singles that had come from it already were fucking amazing. And I, I, I bought this thing already off Bandcamp. Um, it, it's such a great album. Uh, so Lurker's recommendation is the new Ad Infinitum album called Chapter One Monarchy. Uh, I highly, highly, highly recommend this one. This is a good album. Um, it's got like it's obviously female-fronted metal kind of music, whatnot. Uh, elements of Evanescence, elements of Within Temptation, elements of um, oh, fuck, like it's just it it's really really good <laughs> that's all i can say um and i mean right now currently the oh let's see like favorite songs uh well tell me why has been the one i think i've played the most so far but like see you in hell is a great one which is actually maybe the closing track of this episode um uh marching on versailles is great demons is great um Infected Monarchy is great. And then, of course, the final track of the whole thing is a cover version of This Is Halloween, uh, the Nightmare Before Christmas uh, famous track, whatever, uh, that Danny Elfman put together. And I'm not going to lie, very interesting version. Uh, It's not bad. Um, I can see why they left it for the final track, but it's it's fun. It's... do a good job with it so anyways that's my lurkers recommendation it's also the closing track of the week because i'm gonna close out with see you in hell by ad infinitum um again though thank you so much for tuning in uh keep your eyes peeled on the facebook page i will be doing another choose your own hell which you guys will decide which uh movie you want me to tear apart (laughs) uh but um Again, thanks for listening, and everyone, uh, take it easy, and I don't know, share this with someone, you know, maybe, maybe possibly someone will enjoy this, I don't know, I'm talking shit now, it's time to shut up and let Melissa Bonnie do what she does so much better than me, and that is have a great singing voice, ad infinitum, see you in hell, thanks for listening, and be back with episode what is it 71 will be next Ooh, we're getting closer to 100 guys um anyway that's enough i'm out ciao when the night comes back all my fears and doubts get my hand to choose the way to win this So